Welcome to Freedom Matters Today. I am Michael J. Sutton, and this is episode one of our second series. Today, why is the church dying? Freedom Matters Today looks at freedom from a Christian perspective. True freedom comes from God. This is freedom from fear and despair. Freedom from fascism and tyranny. Freedom from guilt and shame. Freedom from sin and death. Freedom from past and prejudice. And freedom from war and conflict. In this series, we will make our stand for freedom. For without freedom, we have nothing. Freedom is at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, a Christian. The format for the podcast will be slightly different from last year. Our most popular podcast episode was the last one, following Jesus when the church has lost its way. This podcast went on to become a book, with the same title available through Amazon Print On Demand. Our faith is not dependent on the failure of institutional religion. Our faith is in God, and God expects us to take responsibility for the choices we make. And the most important choice we are given is in the form of an imperative from Jesus when he tells us to follow him. Future topics in this series include the relevance of Jesus today, following Jesus when the church shows you the door, postcards from Ukraine, following Jesus in a time of war, putting the fear of God back into the church, church and taxation, COVID theology, and faith and flag. Today I'm asking the question, why is the church dying? Why is the church dying? I was asked this question a month or so ago by a listener after he read my op-ed piece on the Brownstone Institute titled COVID Theology in the Australian Church. What we saw in COVID hysteria was mass apostasy in the church, the promotion of vaccine passports, mandates and lockdowns, and all were grievous sins against God. We saw the true heart of the church revealed, even evangelicals. What they care about the most is money and power. Why is the church dying? The answer is simple. The decline of the church and its inevitable collapse in the West is great for faith and the future of Christianity. It is better if the past is let go and we can turn a new page, step out in faith and follow Jesus. If you listened to our podcast last year, you would be familiar with one of our slogans, Don't go to church, follow Jesus instead. If Christians followed Jesus, instead of putting their faith in a building, a denomination or a ritual, then Christian witness and faithfulness would not be in rapid decline. When I talk about the church, I'm talking about the buildings, the rituals, the denominations and the meaning of the word church in Western contemporary usage. The Western church is absolutely dying and is on its last legs. In English, the word church means a physical entity, a building, or a place designed for the worship of God. The word church 
is found nowhere in the Greek New Testament. Some people have said, you are quibbling over semantics. But we are to faithfully proclaim the full counsel of God. That is, after all, what the fascists claim to defend on Sunday. But it is fascinating how inaccurate they often are, at least in the West. Jesus never went to church. The apostles never went to church. The apostles gathered daily for encouragement and treated no day as special. Encourage each other daily as long as it is called today, wrote the author of Hebrews composed well before the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. There was no infant baptism in Acts, nor was there the evil of the Mass or the magic show of the so-called Holy Communion. Breaking bread for Christians was a phrase not to denote a ritual but a meal. God communes with his people every day, even with sinners such as you and me. It is possible because of the death of Jesus on the cross for sin. Early Christians, before the government stepped in and replaced Christian freedom with tyranny, sought to follow Jesus. They lived by the power of the Holy Spirit and in that first generation walked with God even though they did not possess the scriptures beyond the text of the Hebrew Bible. Remarkable. The American founding fathers and many European thinkers rediscovered freedom and rebuked, hundreds of years later, a state church that was too busy murdering people. And they reminded them and rebuked them that there needed to be clear limits on ecclesiastical power. For over 1,000 years, the church states murdered their way through history. Religious freedom, or the separation of church and state, was never to protect the church from the state, but to protect the state from Christian fascism. The Russian Revolution was terrible and awful, but it was nothing compared to the hell on earth that was Russian orthodoxy under the Tsars, who kept Russians in utter misery, poverty and suffering for centuries, while the church was completely corrupt. The French Revolution, the English Civil War, the American War of Independence, the Protestant Reformation and Garibaldi's War against Rome were all wars to secure freedom, and they were echoes of the freedom that God brings. The church had kept freedom locked away behind ritual and religion for centuries. These revolutionary movements rediscovered what the church states wanted to keep secret, the truth about freedom. The 20th century was not a new beginning. It was part of the epilogue of a West that had finally wrenched itself free from a satanic religion called Christendom that replaced the peace of Christ with a sword, the love of Christ with sectarian hatred, and the joy of Christ with inflexible intolerance. If you want to return to the days of Christendom, you are either illiterate or ignorant. Freedom matters today. You will not find freedom in the church. You will find it fully expressed in the identity, the actions and the words of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The church is dying. 
But the church is not Christianity. The church is a thing, while Christianity is about people. While the church is dying, there is no one sought and found by God who is ever lost again. There is no one who is found by God who is misplaced, forgotten, excluded, marginalized or cast out. No, that describes the church. The church's MO is forgetting, marginalizing, excluding and excommunicating. But God is rich in mercy, and he does not reject anyone who comes to him in faith. God will not let anyone slip through his fingers, and he will enable through his spirit to ensure that even the frailest of his children is able to endure. That is God, and that is an insight into the kingdom of God. God will not rebel against his word that all who believe shall have eternal life. He is not fickle like us. He is not two-faced like us. And he is not weak like us. He is God. He doesn't change his mind. All who come to Christ are never turned away. Millions are leaving the church, and this is because we are seeing the growth of honesty as well as the fruit of abuse. Terrible abuse from the church. They hold the Bible up in one hand and they use the other hand to beat people into submission. Through events such as COVID hysteria, we are also seeing the revelations of our true enemy in the faith, the church, the fascists in the society who runs it, and the one for whom they work. Christians will tell you about Jesus, but fascists will tell you what to do. You can almost always pick a Christian fascist, for they are the ones who say very little about Jesus. They have no time for Christ as they're too busy coming after you. As I said last year, I will tell you about freedom, and for me, freedom is about the identity, actions, and the words of Jesus Christ. I'm not interested in the cultural war. We saw the church recruited by the state during COVID hysteria. They took the money. They kept quiet. Now they dance to a new tune. Their script is not scripture. It is policy. It is methodology. Policy is what the devil does. After all, politics is his domain. What we are witnessing in Australia is a similar strategy that we've seen in the United States. Various fiefdoms within the American state compete against each other for power and money. Along the way, they recruit churches, interests and factions. At the heart of the American state is a kind of fascism. It is not representative democracy. Democracy is on the periphery now. It's still on the books, as they say, but that's just ink on a page. The American empire that's controlled much of the Western world since 1945 has not changed that much, Foreign policy has been largely the same because it worked so well in the past. But corporate power is the heart of American power. Corporations wield control over policies and structures. They make or break presidents and the media is just another domain for corporate power, competing with the various giant fiefdoms of the state. 
the true hatred in America is not between black and white or over gender, but within the state itself, between various departments and ministries and between corporations. We don't see the true politics. This is veiled from us. And we are entertained by the sideshows such as the Trump show and the Biden show. The indoctrination of the population is now effective and efficient. It took a few years to weaponize the population against Trump. It took about six months to indoctrinate the population with vaccine policy. And it took less than a week to mobilize nations to stand with Ukraine. Who will be the next target? Is it going to be China? In America, this game has been in full swing for years. There are certain policies that must be maintained to ensure the strategic supremacy of America. It's not about democracy or freedom, but power. But it's also about ensuring the average American can enjoy their standard of living. But if you want to jump from one crisis to the next, as many do, good luck. You'll probably go insane if you're not mad already. Sadly, many Christians move their faith not by the will of God, but by the will of Rupert, or some other media magnate whose papers and media empires tell us the story of the day. Some people also believe that mass formation psychosis or propaganda began with COVID hysteria. That is rather quaint and ill-informed. Democracy cannot survive without coordinated, sustained and nationalised indoctrination. It is what democracies do. The alternative is the nation of the despot, or an authoritarian regime where force is used instead of propaganda. Christians do not need the money or reputation of the church to advance the gospel. Only a conviction to see Christ proclaimed in the world. Throughout history, if the great men and women of faith listened to the church, then we would not even know their names. The church opposed every movement of the good news in history, from the Great Awakening to the nonconformist movement and the missionary work in China and India. In every case, God raised up men and women with a deep conviction to proclaim the cross of Christ and the empty tomb. And in every case, the church stood against them. Why are so many Christians so historically illiterate? The fascists love to talk about the evils of collectivism, but ignore why it happened. Freedom for revolutionaries was freedom from religion. And I'm sorry, dear fascists, your religion was from Satan himself. One thousand years of Christian tyranny. I am so tired of the liars and apologists and fascists in the church who tell us how wonderful feudalism was and how terrible capitalism is. It is no wonder that Rome, with its wine cellars and museums of gold, tells us how terrible capitalism is, while all the time the church defends feudalism and darkness. But I prefer tiles to a dirt floor, fast food to starvation, and choice to deprivation. Marx and Lenin agreed that the church never followed Jesus. 
they only pursued money. If the church followed Jesus, then I am absolutely confident there would have been no Lenin and no Marx. There would have been no communism or socialism. If Christians followed the Sermon on the Mount, the world would have been very different. No wonder the church tells us that Jesus didn't exist. Can you imagine a church that actually looks like Jesus? I'm afraid I cannot imagine it, not even for one moment. All I see are the robes, the money, the gold, the nice clothes, well-dressed pastors and ministers and priests, rounded vowels and correct pronunciation, class division, everyone knowing their place, and lots of insincere smiles. We see a dimension of this in the bizarre discussion over the origins of Australia and the fascist view that Australia was created as a Christian nation. It was a British penal colony, with British laws that were sadly infused with deeply sectarian Protestant flavours, reflecting centuries of religious fanaticism and fascism under the tyranny of the Church of England. Australia was a sectarian state, deeply divided by the Catholic and Protestant schism. Why is the Church so committed to war with Russia and war with China? The answer is they are part of the political fabric, the tapestry of power and the threads of empire. Since the colonies were founded in Australia, Australians have hated and feared Russia and China. In the 1850s, it was fear of Russia, and then later, towards the end of the century, it was fear of China. In those days, it was all completely irrational. Today, Australians fear Russia and China because we are part of the, of the American empire, and our politics is almost entirely run from Washington. The church is happy to be on board because there might be money for them. Our morally and spiritually bankrupt elite class will spend over $400 billion on submarines and then in the same breath they tell us that unfortunately social services and health services will be cut. Once again the church is silent. They're silent because the only thing they care about is money, their buildings, their investments and their properties. They also want to preserve their political influence and they don't care about people. This is Freedom Matters Today, episode one in our podcast series for 2023. We look at freedom from a Christian perspective. Our website is freedommatterstoday.com and there you will find this podcast as well as all the episodes from our first series in 2022. You will also find our monthly newsletter and information about our publications. Why is the church dying? The church is dying because it hates freedom, and it hates the God who brings freedom. Christians are simply called to follow Jesus. It is a lifestyle, not a rule. It is a relationship, not a ritual. It is not a Sunday service, but a daily experience. The church is dying because it is irrelevant, inauthentic and corrupt. It is irrelevant because it has nothing to say to people beyond ritualism. It is inauthentic because people know hypocrisy when they see it. And it is corrupt because the church only cares about money and power. 
Why do people refuse to go to church? Because they know the people who do. The churches are dying because they're fake. They either become inward-looking monasteries or museums for outdated values, mausoleums for the dead. They keep their Bible closed, they don't listen to God, and they don't follow Jesus. The church is dying because they've given up on God, the God they pretend to believe in. When Christians give up on God's power, they return to human power, and they become fascists. The fascist will say, what would Jesus do? But the Christian says, what did Jesus do? The Christian tells people about God, and Christian fascists tell people what to do. Millions around the world are leaving institutional religion in America, in Australia, Canada, New Zealand. Churches are therefore returning to their old ways, their old roots and their old allegiances, which are fascist. We see this in the rise of Christian nationalism in America. But true fascism came from the church, as I have said. A thousand years of hell, a thousand years of genocide, conquest, class war and murder, all in the name of a God they hated and hoped would never return. The churches ruled nations, oppressed people and killed anyone who challenged them. In every generation, the Spirit of God raised up Christians who followed Jesus. But in every generation, the church persecuted them, excommunicated them or murdered them because they challenged the power and money of the church. Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and money. But the response of the church has been a middle finger to the heavens. After a thousand years of church states, as I said, freedom came in the form of revolutions around the world with one goal, to destroy religious power and usher in freedom. These revolutions were shaped by the various hells created by the national churches in those countries. In Europe, church power was replaced by democracy, and so that's why the church readily threw their support behind Hitler, Mussolini, Franco and others. Liberal democracy and socialism are the progeny of the worst parents in history, governments run by the church. The fascists will say that we need to go back to the past, when our society was Christian. God help us if that happens. And when was that exactly? Was that before African Americans were given equal rights? Was that during the days of sectarianism in Australia? Christians have hated each other for centuries. When was the past better? In Australia, people who chose to marry across the Catholic-Protestant divide were usually cast out of their families this continues right up to the present day. Christians who seek political power sin against God. Jesus said his kingdom is not of this world, and Paul tells us that flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. Church leaders outed themselves in their love of fascism during the COVID hysteria. Church leaders supported martial law, vaccine passports and exclusions because they wanted the money to keep their properties and power. They didn't have a problem lying about the vaccines because they lie every Sunday. Many priests, pastors and ministers in the West have one thing in common aside from their love of power and money. They don't believe a word of the religion. They seek to proclaim 
they have no faith. In their hearts they do not know God, nor do they care to know him. To know God and be known by God is the heart of the Christian faith. We can know God because of the identity, the actions and the words of Jesus, who is God made human, who lived a perfect life and died on the cross for sin, in our place where we could not stand, and he fought for us because we could not fight, and he defeated all that stands between us and true happiness, which is to know God and in knowing God, knowing ourselves. The church is dying because they have a list of people a mile long who are not welcome. But God tells us to think about the worst person we know, the person we cannot abide or stand or tolerate. And then God whispers in our ear, I love that person. I sent my son for that person so that he might live. He or she is not beyond my love and mercy. The church is dying because they sin against God, because they're not paying taxes to the state. Romans chapter 13, verses 6 and 7 demand taxation to the state. It's fairly simple. Just pay the tax. Churches are not charities, but service providers. The church is dying because they protect abuse. They lie about their past and they hate each other. In the Royal Commission in Australia, they got away with child abuse and now they want to violate the laws of the state by discriminating against gendered minorities. These fascists who told us to shut up during COVID hysteria and obey the government now seek to change the God-ordained laws for their own purposes. The church is dying because it hates freedom and hates the idea that God is responsible for changing lives. We are simply, as Christians, to introduce people to God by telling them the message of the good news, that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, and no one can stand before the Father except through him. And Jesus came to set us free. Freedom goes to the very heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The liberty that Christ brings has been a light to the world, and has shone out over the centuries into all the dark places such as the church, the state, and tradition. Jesus said, If the Son shall make you free, then you shall be free indeed. Paul wrote, The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Paul also wrote, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. These three verses from the New Testament make it very clear and unambiguous. God is in the freedom business. He does not come to bring slavery, servitude or submission to tyranny. In fact, quite the opposite. All the movements for freedom in the West have been echoes, ripples, aftershocks and tremors. From history's great event, which was the rescue God wrought through Jesus, against spiritual tyranny, sin, death and evil, at the cross, where he died for sin, in our place, where we could not stand, so we could stand with him, free and in liberty. I was astounded, horrified and shocked during COVID hysteria to hear many of those who used to walk with Jesus out themselves, betray their Lord for money and power, or both, and denounce freedom as antithetical to the good news of God's grace. 
Those in the church who stand up and say that freedom is a lie are themselves liars. And it is not surprising, for they work for their master, Diabolos, the master of tyranny, the king of deceit, and the pimp of power. I am told that this was a storm in a teacup, that I am exaggerating, that the crisis is over and I am welcome back in the church. I was never welcome, not during COVID or before. Anyone who follows Jesus will eventually be shown the door. Now we've been told to get back to normal, but we have to make sure that money keeps flowing in. Freedom matters today because you matter to God. In fact, everyone matters to God and there is no one for whom God does not matter. This is a great relief, especially to those who feel that they have wandered too far from the love and mercy of God. But it was for such people who have wandered, for those who were lost, for those who sit in darkness that Jesus came. True freedom comes from God and all other freedoms we enjoy are derived from God's freedom. True freedom comes from knowing God and being known by God, so we might know who we are and know each other. It is the light that God shines in our hearts that we can shine into the lives of others. We need real faith for real life. Paul wrote his letters because he had his ear to the ground. James wrote his letter because his readers struggled with what it meant to be a Christian in Jewish communities. John wrote his epistle and his letters because he lived in the real world and they resonated because he spoke to people where they were. When they're not killing, slandering or fighting each other, the churches of today live in a world of abstraction, a world of detachment and a world of obtuse reasoning, simply because they refuse to admit their complicity, corruption and collusion with the state. With centuries of tax-free benefits and exemptions, the churches have no idea about the lives of ordinary people. Offered mammon so early on, it is difficult to say no, and most do not. They covet wealth and power that comes from wealth, for money is the language of power, but it is not the kingdom of God, nor is it true spiritual power. All that matters to the church is its money and political power, and it has no intention of connecting the teachings, the work and identity of Jesus with the real problems people face every day. To do that, ministers, pastors and priests need to extend their hand in friendship. But that's not possible, for under their whitened knuckles is the money they covet so dearly, the properties they protect so feverishly, and the power they secure so deviously. The reality is that in the first century, Judas Iscariot was the apostle of shame. He was in it for the money. Two thousand years later, the church holds Judas up as their model. Betrayal is their language, and secrecy is their diet. In Australia, the going rate for bribing a church is $500 a week, a small price to pay for one's eternal soul. Churches are dying because God is against them. He has had enough. God destroys, destroyed Sodom in the ancient world, not because they were gay, but because the, church, the city had afflicted great suffering upon others. The angels who spoke to Abraham in Genesis 19 verse 13 said, The outcry to the Lord against his people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. People cried out to God. God heard them 
and God acted. This event foreshadows the exodus from Egypt when God heard the cries of his people in bondage. It foreshadows the coming of the Messiah, Jesus. People were crying out for salvation. When John came to the Jordan, everyone came to be baptised as a sign of their decision to renew their faith. These days, Sodom is the church. We have churches going to the courts to argue that the compensation payments for child sexual abuse by clergy are too high and should be minimised. We have churches paying a fortune in legal fees to fight cases of child sexual abuse and argue that churches are immune because priests were not employees. We have ministers and pastors who say we must obey the government on vaccine mandates because we must obey the state, but they're not consistent. They pick and choose their battles. If their power is threatened, or there is the chance to make more money, be sure, be sure the church will make their stand. For decades, in Australia, child abusers were and are protected by the church. Today, hundreds of priests and ministers in Australia deny the fundamental beliefs of Christianity and can still be priests and pastors. Yet hundreds of ministers were excommunicated because they refused the COVID-19 vaccines. The Church of Sodom is that you can be a priest if you deny the deity of Christ, but you are excommunicated if you are unvaccinated. This is great wickedness and evil. God has heard the cries of his people, the people the church hates, the people the church condemns, the people the church casts out. He will destroy the church in this nation and in the West, just as he did in the past. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, but the church teaches us to hate Russia, and soon they will tell us to hate China. As I said last year, God only promises what he promises. He does not promise what he does not promise. And yet most Christians live with the expectation that he does. Be very careful, because you may find yourself fighting against God. God is not on our side in any of these wars. He doesn't take sides. God honours the day as we dishonour the veterans to our shame. The difference between the world and its stupid wars and the kingdom of God is simple. For whom is God prepared to die? Paul wrote in Romans these words, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. That happens in war. Greater love has no man than this, that he should lay down his life for his friends, said Jesus. But God goes further than anyone can. Paul wrote in Romans 5 verses 7 and 8, For at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God proves his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is Christianity. While we were God's enemies, Christ died for us. This is the good news. This is the path to true freedom. Jesus said to Peter, when they first met by the Sea of Galilee, follow me. The last words Jesus spoke to Peter after the resurrection were the same, follow me. 
The Christian life is not easy. Jesus wants us to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. But it is the life of true freedom. Because with every step we take, we can be confident that Christ went ahead of us. He died in our place so we might be free. Remember, freedom matters today because you matter to God. Next time we will look at the question, is Jesus relevant today? <laughs>